The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about rethinking phone data on our smartphones. Now, we all use smartphones. We love them. They keep us on time. They, they keep us on calendar. We can get our emails. You know, we can do art on them. We can download things. But the problem is, is that it's, uh, it's not as private as you think with these devices. And I read a great article, which is in the Daily Journal, which is the legal newspaper for the state of California. And I saw that Christopher Wolf was quoted. He, he is the co-chair of the Future of Privacy Forum, and which is a think tank on studies about data privacy. And he is the director of Hogan Lavelle's LLP, Firm-Wide uh, Privacy and Information Management Practice. And I thought, you know, this is the perfect person to get on to talk about this, but let me tell you a little bit more about his incredible background. We are so thrilled to have him all the way from D.C., but let, let me tell you about Christopher Wolf. He's the director of Hogan Lavelle's Privacy and Information Management Practice Group, and Chris is widely recognized as one of the leading American practitioners in the field of privacy and data security law. He has great experience in the entire range of international, federal, and state privacy and data security laws, which include financial and health information privacy laws, and it includes many sectoral and geographic regulations, such as the European Union Directive and the new state data security laws, including those in Massachusetts and Nevada, and, and he knows a lot about California since it was the very first security breach uh, law. Chris also counsels clients on compliance with self-regulatory re regimes. In addition, drawing on his nearly 30 years as a litigator, Chris represents clients in all kinds of privacy and data security litigation that result from things as, you know, disclosures, exposure of private information, data breaches, and all that. But you can learn more about him at our website, at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy, where we link to his website also at HoganLavelles.com. So I'm so thrilled that you're joining us all the way from beautiful D.C. Thank you, Chris. Well, Mari, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, let's talk a little bit about these smartphones. You know, um, people think that there's rules to protect these phone records and, and things like that. What's this all about? 
Well, there certainly are rules to protect phone records, and those are the rules that are in place that uh, protect the privacy of traditional telephone call information. So those are things like uh, telephone numbers that you call, where you call from, uh, the kind of phone services you buy, and, and other things like that. Uh, but as we all know, the device that you keep in your pocket or in your purse is much more than a phone these days. It really is a mini-computer. Uh, it's probably a maxi-computer in terms of its computing power uh, versus uh, what computers did 10 or 15 years ago. And it allows you not only to access the Internet, uh, but we are in a world of apps and the apps are tiny browsers, really, is a way to think of them, that are specialized and provide you specialized kinds of information and services. And that's where most of the privacy issues are arising uh, today. So how is that different from really when we use our laptop? Because you can download apps, you know, on your laptop through sure. Facebook and, and all the social networking. So t tell my audience a little bit about that, especially we're, we're here at the University of California, Irvine, on the campus. Everybody is downloading these apps. It's so much fun, the games, everything. Let's talk to them about how, how they are protected or not. So unlike your desktop or your laptop, or I should say in addition to the data that is collected on your desktop or laptop about the sites that you visit and how you might use the Internet, uh, a mobile phone, a smartphone, really generates an incredible amount of personal data, some of which your listeners might not really I expect. So with, with the desktops and the laptops, the primary concern has been how much companies could track the website, uh, websites you visited. Uh, and with mobile phones, there are GPS chips in the phone that can provide your precise location and your movements. Uh, there are apps that can access and upload your contacts and your photos and other information about you. Uh, there are sensors in the phone that can even indicate what direction you're headed in. And all of this, in addition to the companies being able to track uh, your website visiting activities, uh, combines to create just an enormous amount of uh, data that potentially can be collected and shared and used in ways that may surprise you uh, and also uh, not protected in, in, in the ways that you would want that data to be protected. You know, Chris, you know, everybody gets their emails on their phones all the time. What about that? What about the protection of their emails when they're on their smartphone as opposed to maybe when they're on their laptop? Well, you know, a good rule of thumb, of course, is to make sure your phone is secure, that you have a password to access it, to open it, uh, because if you happen to lose it, and that happens all the time, you want to make sure that other people are not able to access your private emails. Um, and, and so that's a very important thing to keep in mind for, for consumers to remember. What about hacking of mobile phones? And, and you know, we, we have so much... You know, I know every night I, I run all of my anti-spyware and I, you know, I have 50 million things that I'm running to protect my computers and I have a computer consultant that makes sure that everything is up to date and everything is going. How about my smartphone? Well, you're the model consumer to have uh, all of that <laughs> attention paid to your data security and, and people really need to pay more attention to to their own data security and that means uh, a number of things. For example... Don't download a program. This goes for whether it's a smartphone or your desktop or laptop. Don't, don't download a program 
contained in an email that you don't recognize or from someone you don't know. Uh, because odds are that it, it contains some sort of malware or spyware that's intended to collect information about you and, and use it in ways that you wouldn't like, including uh, for identity theft. Um, so uh, everyone has a role to play in protecting the privacy and security of data on, on devices. Uh, that includes the individual, but it, of course, includes the uh, companies that are providing the apps as well as the companies providing the platforms. I think it's safe to say that a lot, uh, that most of the major platforms, that is Android and iOS, uh, have built-in security to protect against hacking. Of course, no system is completely safe, uh, but we can take, I think, pretty significant comfort uh, from the technological protections that exist in the phone. Really, the biggest risk comes from apps collecting data about people that uh, people may not have realized is being collected uh, and, and being used uh, uh, in ways that uh, they may not have expected. Now, it may not be particularly harmful, uh, but it's just a matter of loss of control. And privacy is, to a very large extent, as you know, uh, a matter of control and having choice. Right. Now, let me tell you, so I have a Windows phone. You know, a lot of my friends have iPhones. So are there any phones which are, are, are better and you talked about an Android, okay? But I, I have the Windows phone because it syncs with all my Windows stuff, and it's really easy. So, um, is is you know, does it matter which phone a consumer is really using? Well, the issue really isn't the kind of phone. Uh, the in terms of the big privacy issue these days, it's it has to do with the apps, which. To, to, the, to a large extent, are available on all of the platforms, whether it's Windows, Android, or iOS. And you want to make sure that the apps have uh, taken steps to protect your data. So the first thing you want to do is see whether they have a privacy policy. I remember in the early days, uh, I, I downloaded an app from which you could use your camera to scan business cards. And then the data would go into your contact file. Great. <laughs> uh, and, but then I realized there was no privacy policy. So uh, as far as I knew, the maker of the app was using that data, all the people whose business cards I was uh, downloading, as well as my own data, and correlating them with me wow. to create some sort of database, probably for marketing, but perhaps for something more nefarious. Oh, my goodness. And so people really need to be vigilant. But, of course, the app makers themselves need to provide the protections that people want. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, uh, actually it wasn't a few weeks ago, it was a few months ago at this point, uh, we uh, had a uh, conference at Stanford uh, Law School, the Future Privacy Forum uh, did, in conjunction with the Stanford Center for Internet and Society and a couple of other groups. We had 300 app developers there, uh, and they met all day with us to really understand what it means to protect consumer privacy and what consumers expect in terms of notice that makes sense and that's clear and choices that make sense. So I'm hopeful that we're making progress. Uh, the California Attorney General uh, has been a real leader in meeting with the platforms and meeting with some of the major app developers and, and really getting them to agree to pay more attention to privacy. So as I said, I think we're making progress, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. Right, because I think, you know, most of the users really don't get it. They don't know it. I, I, it's not transparent to them. And so to put a lot of burden on the user and the consumers, 
you know, when they don't understand the technology, they just want to use it. It's like even for you, you know, you got excited. Wow, this is a great idea. When I go to a, a meeting, I can just take everybody's uh, cards, and, uh, you know, business cards and make it easy for myself. And then you and then you realize because you are, you know, very cognizant of these kinds of things that, hey, this is not a good idea. But how many other people would have done that? They would have kept using it and not right. and, and, so, and it wasn't transparent to them. Exactly. And there have been lots of news stories about apps uh, that collect uh, data uh, from your from your contact folder uh, that you you probably weren't aware it was they were collecting. Exactly. Um, and 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 uh, apps that turn on your camera or turn on your microphone. And, you know, those are classic invasions of privacy. And, and, and the reason why this is getting so much attention, the FTC issued a report about mobile apps and kids' privacy. Right. Uh, and, have, and the FTC has taken enforcement actions in that area as well. So it, it, it's a big problem, but like most big problems, if you deal with it piece by piece, you can eventually uh, make it better, if not completely uh, solve it. And I'm happy to, uh, to report that the app industry as a whole is taking this issue uh, very seriously, I think. Well, well, that's good. And the good, you know, the the good uh, people who are, I mean, the good companies that are really going to step up and they're going to come to your programs and they're going to learn and they're going to realize what they have to do for privacy. But they're they're they are the good stewards. What about those that aren't? I mean, do we need to have laws that 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 there are more enforcement actions so that these kinds of things are taken care of and not just the good guys? What do we well, do? you know, there, there are a lot of cops on the beat right now. The Federal Trade Commission is the nation's principal consumer protection uh, agency, and their privacy agenda is extremely robust. And as I said, they've gone after uh, app developers uh, who have made deceptive representations or engaged in unfair practices. State attorneys general also have a pretty broad mandate uh, to protect consumers from shady conduct, including shady conduct by app uh, developers. Uh, what's happening is uh, we're, we're seeing codes of conduct or uh, best practices being adopted by a lot of the leading app developers uh, and more resources being made available to the guys in their garage who are developing apps. So that, as I said, it is getting better. That doesn't mean there won't always be an outlier, uh, a bad actor, a free rider, uh, who just won't bring their conduct uh, up to par. And one would hope that our general consumer protection statutes would cover them, uh, but the time may come when, when we need a baseline uh, a privacy law that, that uh, would, would cover these people, too. And there's a lot of movement, as you know, to enact a, base, uh, a baseline privacy law that would create a safe harbor for those companies that have codes of conduct that they're enforcing uh, and therefore only be applicable to kind of the outliers and to the, to the um, to, to those who haven't adopted their own uh, codes of conduct. Gets- and that's all being sorted out right now uh, as the administration has proposed a baseline privacy law and the Federal Trade Commission also has called for one. So I don't think we'll see it this year, given the political uh, environment here in Washington, uh, but I think uh, we, we will uh, uh, eventually see uh, some sort of baseline privacy law. Yeah, we have to get back to that whole idea that Ann Kavukian talks about, that privacy by design you know, like you said, a lot of these people develop apps, you know, in their garage, and they're not thinking privacy. They're thinking fun. They're thinking, oh, how can we do this? This might be a great idea. 
And um, I think the whole idea is having them understand about privacy by design, building into the technology, the privacy protections from the get-go, rather than trying to add them on later. And uh, and and it's an afterthought, and it isn't very easy to use, and it's not, and it's too complicated for people. You know, I I, I couldn't agree with you more, and uh, it's a perfect opening for me to mention a future privacy forum site that's uh, called applicationprivacy.org. And it's designed for app developers. And one of the things we stress in the site is privacy by design. Okay. Uh, and, it, and it's a very robust site that has lots of information for developers in plain language, not written by, uh, well, it actually was written by lawyers, but it wasn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it was written by lawyers. It doesn't look like it was written by lawyers. It's in plain English. Uh, and it, it has proven to be an incredibly useful tool. Uh, so even the guys in the garage can pay attention to privacy. In fact, if they want their app to be successful, they better, because you need to build in trust in order for your products and services to get uh, traction. Exactly. You know, let's talk a little bit about the, the future of Privacy Forum. Why don't you tell us, you, you were one of the ones that started it, right? Well, I actually was the founder, and the, the best decision I ever made was to hire Jules Polonetsky, the <laughs> former chief privacy officer of uh, AOL, and before that, DoubleClick, and before that, the Consumer Affairs Commissioner of New York City. I hired him to uh, be the day-to-day director and to serve as my co-chair, so that's his day job. Uh, my day job is running the privacy practice at Hogan Lovells with my uh, uh, co-head, uh, Marcy Wilder, who runs the health privacy part of our practice. But Jules runs the day-to-day at the Future Privacy Forum, and together uh, we're trying to uh, create something. We have created something, I think, that really is uh, unique uh, in, in Washington and in the nation because we are a, a, a think tank and a place where people can convene and talk about uh, the privacy issues of the day. We, we believe and we advocate for responsible data practices. We think data use can really benefit society and individuals, but at the same time, people's privacy has to be respected if we're going to have beneficial data use. So I think we occupy uh, a unique space in that regard. Uh, there are trade groups that, that really push for the, the commercial aspects of data use, and then there are privacy groups that sometimes are too reluctant to allow data to be used um, uh, beneficially. So I think we're a nice combination of uh, some of the, the best aspects of all those groups. Right, and you all belong to the International Association of Privacy Professionals, which also has a, a similar um, philosophy that, that, that you have as well. So, in, in, Indeed, we team with them quite a lot to provide training and uh, symposia to discuss some of the hot issues of the day. Exactly. So when you're talking about, you know, that that privacy is important and why you created the Future of Privacy Forum, it's really about building trust, isn't it? That if people don't trust that their privacy is going to be protected, they aren't going to want to buy your product or or services, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we hear from people all the time who say, gee, I don't like to buy things online. I don't like to do my banking online. Uh, because the, the message hasn't gotten through that uh, that is probably among the safest uh, stuff you can do with the HTTPS transfer of the data in a secure, encrypted form. Nothing is f- is foolproof, but shopping and banking online has proven to be you know among the safest things you can do. Uh, if the stories keep appearing in the Wall Street Journal series, uh, what they know, which I think has had 14 or 15 articles about 
uh, uh, tracking of people online, the collection of their data in ways that uh, were unexpected, uh, eventually that'll have a corrosive effect on, on, on consumer trust and whether people will use uh, these new products and services. And, and, and that's just not good for the advent of technology and for innovation. Exactly. You know, when you were talking about shopping online, you know, I agree with you. As long as you use a credit card rather than a debit card, that your credit card, you're, you're going to be protected. If the, even if there is any fraud, you're not going to owe a penny as long as you tell them within 60 days. So you're, right. you're much more protected. Just don't, don't use, you know, a debit card online and, you know, just, just be wise about what you're doing when you're, when you're buying online. And if you do have to use your debit card online, at least look at your online banking and your online banking, you can just check every day and set up alerts. So I just have to add that in because I am a believer in using the, you know, the internet to purchase and to do online banking, but I have alerts. So if anything, any change at all in my, uh, in my bank accounts, any electronic transfer, I immediately get an email so I can go in and look and see if that's that's right or not. So yeah, absolutely. Y- you have to be a, a savvy consumer, but um, but it's much it's much safer to uh, to do your banking online than it is to send stuff through the mail. It's it's crazy. Well, 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 that's right. And uh, yeah, I was kind of uh, uh, chuckling today because I was on a train. And the person next to me was online shopping and just blithely entering in uh, lots of personal data, which anybody around her could see. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, again, that's another example of how privacy is a shared responsibility and that people really need to protect themselves as well as have the tools available from companies online to, to protect themselves. Right. So... Tell me, you know, what what about this FTC's recent privacy p- report? Can you talk a little bit about that and what kind of impact it'll have? It, yes, absolutely. As, as you'll remember, the FTC staff came out with a draft report in December 2010 with mostly with a lot of questions. It addressed a lot of topics but asked for input from the uh, interested community, and there was a lot of input provided. And what came out in March was a report from the commission itself, which is really quite significant. It's different than just a report from the staff. As as talented and expert as the staff is, this really has the imprimatur of the commissioners. And it set forth uh, a whole series of best practices with respect to online commerce and the collection and use of data that uh, Manisha Mithal, who's the, the director of the Division of Privacy and Identity Protection, has said does not reflect existing law. So if you don't do those things today, you're not going to be uh, subject to an investigation and a consent decree. But, but they do reflect uh, leading or best practices that companies can adopt uh, to better protect consumer data. Uh, and it's, in that sense, really a terrific guide uh, for uh, how to better protect uh, the data that's being collected and, and, and a guide to whether or not you can collect in the first place and how you can share it and use it and ultimately dispose of it. Yeah, and for those people who live in California, you know, we have an Office of Privacy Protection, and I've been there advi- on their advisory board for a long time, and we've developed best practices and recommended practices with regard to security breach law and so- social security uh, collection and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it is helpful to have those kind of guidelines by the FTC and we also have them for California. So if you're in business and you're driving by, you know, you might want to look at the FTC's website as well as the Office of Privacy Protection here in California. 
And so, and your your office in California really is uh, terrific. Your Commissioner McNabb is uh, is one of the leading um, uh, privacy commissioners in in the country, if not the world. And so you really should be very proud of what you've accomplished in California in terms of being uh, both a leader and having innovative laws as well. Oh, yeah, she's terrific. She She's called a chief. 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 <laughs> yeah. There we go. And she's great, yeah. So, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but I would like to talk about what we should expect for privacy in, in 2012 and 2013, because you're right in the heart of all that excitement in D.C., uh, I am, but I don't expect a lot of uh, activity out of Capitol Hill, as I mentioned right, earlier. Right. In the election <laughs> year, you know, we're just hopeful that they get the, uh, some sort of budget done so the government can continue to operate. Right, right. Uh, the, the chairman of the Commerce Committee, Senate Commerce Committee, Rockefeller, has said that he wants to bring up privacy legislation this year, but I doubt that we're going to see it passed. Uh, there will be uh, a number of hearings, uh, I think it's fair to say, on privacy issues, and shining the spotlight on privacy issues is really important because that does affect conduct. Uh, And I think we're going to see a lot more enforcement from the FTC, from the Department of Health and Human Services, from state attorneys general, uh, and private lawsuits will continue, although they haven't gained a lot of traction. They, they, they still, I think, will continue. And all of that, I think, uh, works to, uh, to, to, to make the environment uh, safer uh, for consumers. Uh, but most of all, I think companies get it. They know that privacy is good business. Most Many big companies, if not most, have chief privacy officers. Uh, and, and so there's uh, increasing attention being given to privacy, and that can't be anything but good for consumers. Right. So let's. we have a, about two minutes left here. How about you just giving some um, tips for c- consumers to protect their personal information? We talked a little bit about the, the mobile apps. What else would you like to suggest? Well, consumers really do have to, uh, play an active role uh, to protect uh, their privacy. They need to be careful about the information that they choose to share with others online, uh, including information that's provided when signing up for uh, or using apps. So check to see if the apps have a privacy policy. And if they don't, I think I would be skeptical about using that app. Um, there are even apps out there uh, that are devoted to protecting your privacy that will shield certain information on your phone from being accessed by app developers uh, or third parties without your express uh, uh, permission. And I mentioned this uh, earlier on, to help prevent against identity theft, at the very least, please password protect your your mobile device. So it's not just sitting there, if you happen to lose it, uh, open to view uh, by anyone who happens to pick it up. That's terrific. Chris, why don't you give your website and also give the website for those app developers? Okay, I've got so many websites to mention. I the know. first one I'll mention is the, <laughs> okay. my law firm is, uh, we have a blog, privacy blog uh, that's free, hldataprotection.com, hldataprotection.com. And then the Future Privacy Forum is futureprivacy.org. And then the application privacy uh, site is applicationprivacy.org. Well, you're doing such great work, Chris, and I, I thank you for all that. And you'll have to come back next year when maybe we can, we'll have some more privacy legislation in D.C. and hope to see you at the IAPP next year. Well, you will for sure, and thank you for uh, having a radio program devoted to this. That really helps a lot get the word out. Okay, thank you, and we will talk to you again soon and keep up the wonderful work. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here at KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash 
privacy, piracy, and let us know what you're concerned about with privacy in the information age. And if you want to suggest guests or ask us questions about what you're concerned about with privacy, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Bye. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.